Philosophers. Philosophers. So David, I figure we should continue talking a little bit based on last week's conversation. Do you remember what last week's conversation was? Uh, we talked about lying. Yes, we did. Now, I think that we would both agree that lying can take many different shapes and forms. Um, but one that seems to be prominent in the modern world, and at least it's being discussed a lot due to the tech, its technological nature, is uh, the concept of a deep fake. A deep fake. Now, yes. that's a technical term it is. that a lot of people haven't heard, I don't think. Possibly not. So, like with any technical term, um, we should look it up and fetch the definition. Now, interestingly enough, deep fake has not made its way into the Oxford yet. It's that new of a term. I was about to say, that's how technical and new it is. Yep. So... Let's see, on a higher level then, let's just go to the Wikipedia, the, the People's Encyclopedia, and um, we will we'll discuss what a deepfake is. All right, I'm reading from the Wikipedia article as of February 19th, so it's subject to change. As of right now, however, it says, deepfake, a portmanteau of deep learning and fake. It is an artificial intelligence-based human image synthesis technique. It is used to combine and superimpose existing images and videos onto source images or videos using machine learning technique called Generative Adversarial Network, or a GAN. The combination of the existing and source videos results in a fake video that shows a person or persons performing an action at an event that never actually occurred at reality or in reality typo so in a sense a deep fake is a technologically enabled fake video they almost are always referring to videos in this case right it's like a doctored video that happens to be really convincing uh, if done right right i think the term could also be applicable to images but i mean sure Videos are, you know, basically just a type of image anyway, so. Well, yeah, it's just a bunch of images that are sequential. But the, the point here is that it is, um, like, it, it, you know, what's been around for a while, you know, image doctoring. Um, it's, it's the same concept as doctoring an image or a video or some other media, except that it's done by a computer in you know in such a way that uh, you know normally a, uh, a human could not pull off on their own it would just take too much time to be as accurate as the computer is capable of being exactly and in that vein uh, because it's hard to explain just how convincing this may appear we're going to go ahead and cut in a uh, video um, we'll link it below but for those of you who are watching you'll see it and for those of you who are listening terrestrially it'll be linked and you can see it at your own discretion so um essentially uh, what's interesting about deepfakes is they are enabled by technology and they are taking advantage of a human shortcoming, essentially, because human beings really don't see very well um, on the grand scheme of things. Like, if you look at all of the technology we have to look at, the stars, they look at really big things that are really far away or really small things that are, you know, really close. You can't, the human eye just pales in comparison. And it even pales in comparison to many other living beings, right? But not only that, but we psychologically like to uh, impose already. Um, there's a common phenomena where human beings will impose faces on things that don't have faces. Um, there's a good example of the, uh, I saw Jesus Christ in a piece of toast or the Virgin Mary in a water stain, you know, um, human beings love to see human looking faces or the, uh, the human face on the surface of Mars. Right. Um, so there's two kinds of, there, there's several things going on here that would make humans particularly susceptible to these kinds of things. Now, the reason we bring this up in conjunction with last, our last topic lying is um we we originally started to, for context we originally began discussing this topic 
over a piece of legislation that we're not going to get into, um, but I'll link below for those who are interested, that talks about requiring those who create a deep fake to clearly identify it as such. So, you know, because it's it's not, it's different from like a sarcastic comment where you have to say you're joking, according, that's kind of the sense you get. It's that a reasonable person would think that this deep fake was real. And that's a problem. And then to go, and you know, there have been a bunch of people talking about them, uh, about deep fakes and their, poten their propensity to cause political damage, civil damage, you know, like what, what would happen if these things just became commonplace, you know? And um, but there's definitely some good questions being asked there that I think are worthy of discussion. I agree. Um, it's a it's a it's a new type of uh, of problem that needs solving, um, and and well, it's just one of uh, of many that have happened and many that are to come as a result of um, ever improving technology, and yet the um, the constant or constant enough nature of uh, of uh, human psychology um, that that you know while, while technology continues to get better we don't mm -hmm. and it is beginning to very clearly pass us up to a point where now we have to we have to think about what people are able to do with technology that can fool our you know our uh, hundreds of thousands if not millions of years old brains that are trying their best to keep up and just can't Exactly. And um, there's also some interesting implications behind this as well, that for going forward, um, one thing you and I have kind of talked about that I want to kind of unpack at length here is, does the technological capability of a person how does that play in with the morals of dealing with other people? Like an example being a deep fake is a lie, we'll say. Um, but is it any worse than a verbal lie? Or how does that, how do we... The problem is we're having to take these new technological problems well, these new problems as a result of technology and it's and what capability it gives human beings. And we're having to hold them up next to things we could just do physically anyway. You know, a good example that this has always kind of been happening is we changed laws for assault when deadly weapons were being considered. Um, in some places, committing assault with a firearm is different than committing assault with your fists, you know. And we and that's an example, an arc, more archaic example of how, well, the technology changed, you know. Now anybody is feasibly, easily able to inflict mortal harm on another person, whereas before we had firearms, anybody who was not not just anybody could put someone else at moral harm with as much ease. Right. Right. So, um, you know, right. That, that, that's a good example, you know, because we, we take the we take the the reasonable assumption that, you know, someone who assaulted somebody else with a deadly weapon like a firearm, you know, either intended to or very well knew the consequences that could occur uh, from, from using that weapon that that, that it very likely would have ended in in the victim's death, and it just happened not to. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, I think I think there is something to be said about um, is a is a deep fake worse than a verbal lie? And I think uh, you know one thing to consider is uh, perhaps um, that even even before deep fakes, there's multiple levels of, of of lies. You know, we uh, we look at people differently. You know, if a if a if a child tells you know some sort of fib, you know, mom asked, did you clean your room? Child lies and says yes, even though he didn't. You know, uh, of course, you know, the, the mother goes up and looks, sees that it's not, and they give it up. They're like, okay, yeah, I didn't. Um, you know, we don't, we don't see that as badly as, you know, let's say someone who, uh, who comes up with some elaborate scheme 
you know, let, let's say a con artist, right, who who comes up with a, a, a whole bunch of uh, untrue things to say, but together create some sort of convincing story to trick people out of their possessions. Um, we, we see that as worse than just, you know, an, 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 eh, an innocuous lie. Um, and so, so I think, I think deep fakes fall somewhere on the spectrum at the far end, um, that, that it is someone, regardless of how, regardless of how much effort it actually takes them to do this is putting forth some effort to seriously convince people, presumably a lot of people, but we don't know that for sure. Um, and, and intends to, intends to not, not only just trick people, but thoroughly convince them of something that isn't true and could very well, you know, cause some sort of social damage to somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, as an extension, I don't want to rehash last, our last conversation about lying. We could easily have that same argument over this type of lying, but I feel like we would reach the same outcome since this is a nested topic underlying. And I'll concede that. I will concede this is deceit and it's lying to do these things. But I want to talk more specifically about what makes these special and if they bring up any special um, circumstances. Now, one thing that is obviously interesting is um, people are worried that these will be used to tarnish another person's reputation, which in, in the current media digest for the, the population, all it takes, people will believe the first thing they hear, usually. And that is the truth until it's strongly refuted. Um, most of the time, I'll say. So if I were to create a fake video of you doing something bad, people are going to believe that. Even if then later I come out and retract it later, there will still be those who didn't hear the retraction. Because we won't, you look at it right now at their current um, political and media climate. Retractions are issued every day, which is fine. That's a good thing. Retractions being issued is it is a good thing because errors will happen. Now, the ultimate good is if they were never had to be issued because it was accurate to begin with, but I think that's an unreachable standard. But no one... Retractions don't normally make the headlines. You know, uh, they don't trend on Twitter. They don't make it to the trending on YouTube. It's the story in the moment. And when we live in a society that's able to monitor all these events simultaneously, you know, we can know what's going on. A news outlet has 24 hours a day to report on every 24 hours everywhere else in the world. And it has to pick the most important things apparently to show and yesterday's retraction retractions from yesterday aren't one of them you know and no one wants to see that no one cares to see it so in an age where i can just create something good enough to fool somebody and, and that's another thing too i will tag on this tangent later that anyone can do this this is open technology you can go on the internet and download it yourself anyone with an internet internet connection can do it it's not and it's free if you just got the time to wait for it to run, we'll say. Um, but uh, if I issued a deep fake against you, by the time the truth came out, the damage would have already been done to your reputation. And it's same for anyone else. You know, I totally understand the uh, the problem that people are seeing with this. And um, as of right now, pornography is the primary usage of this technology. As in most things, you know, pornography pushes the boundaries of technology. Um, that's a really interesting anecdote to talk about at a much different time. But um, people are using this deep fake technology to create false pornographic videos and images of name it. You know, name a person. Yeah, that, celebrities or just personal enemies. Right, and they're not fake. And as of right now... You can't be taken to, no legal action can really be taken against you for that. Um, I suppose someone could bring maybe defamation against you, but 
it's it's we're we are in the green right now it's it's all fresh we don't know exactly what's going to happen with it but long story short even like you, we brought up last week even if by the time defamation is brought it's like doesn't matter the average person who's seen it was like oh, you know this this person did porn or whatever and they spread it around like the plague and as far as they're concerned this is the truth and they have no desire to check it out further right Right. I mean, let's think about the let's think about human psychology for a second. Which which is more fun to pass around? You know, this uh, a, a fake porno of your of somebody you and all your friends hate, or the announcement that it was all faked. Exactly, and um, so it's at this time. Do you want to say anything else about uh, them in general? I think we've got. I think we've discussed the problems of deep fakes and what they are well enough before so we can start extrapolating now which is the fun part for me the most interesting thing about it is for when we talk about addressing it this we we, we talk like this is a technological problem like you, you read about it in you know news outlets and magazines People say, yeah, technology made this a problem, when in all actuality, this is a human problem. And the great and bad thing about technology is once you let it out of the bag, it's out. You can't put it back. Information just wants to be free. Information just wants to be free. And some people compare it to Pandora's box and technology. Um, yeah, there is no way to make deep fakes not a thing anymore. The technology to do them, even if you took it off the internet, which you can't, it's still out there. And it it's one... There is no amount of enforcement that you can do that can get rid of it. No, not beyond nuking the entire internet and starting over. And even then, there are still going to be people with flash drives and the servers themselves. We we both come from technical backgrounds. I think we both know the, know the subject wanted to say that it's pretty much impossible beyond annihilating human beings themselves and the planet to take something right off because the to take all the measures that it would require to get rid of them would enrage large portions of the population right for totally different reasons right um so that all being said i don't think that there is i think looking for a technological solution to the problem is a bad way to do it some people I've heard suggest say, well, we just need a technology that can tell the difference. Well, okay, let's take off, let's look at another piece of technology, encryption. We have technology that makes it hard for other people, or impossible, air quotes, for other people to read our messages and data. Well, the people who wanted to read your data said, hmm, well, we just need to develop a technology that can read their data anyway. And then the people who made the original encryption made better encryption. It's, it's a constant arms race between um, those who write encryption software and those who would want to defeat the decryption. You know, I don't, and it's not, a, it's not a good solution, really. Like it's the best we've got right now, but I don't think doing the same thing for deep fakes is a good solution because there will be a better deep fake that tricks the detection software. And then there will be a better detection software on top of that. And there are going to be gaps where you really don't know. And the uncertainty is still there, you know. Um, I posit that we should look at solving the problem on a human level or a societal level. And by that, I think we need to, and this is where I will kind of touch on what I said last week, we need to address how we deal with information socially. And not only that, but how we treat information before we can confirm or verify its truthfulness, you know. Because if human beings took every bit of information they saw as suspect the first time they saw it and went, hmm, I don't know about that. Deep fakes wouldn't be a problem. It's it's the it's the oh I believe this instantly because it's convenient, funny, not me, and it looks good enough to be real. And 
I think there's also a deeper psychological thing where no one's going to think I'm dumb for believing this because it's so convincing, you know? Like, there's that comfort in believing it where it's like, well, it fooled me. It, if it's going to fool me, it probably is going to fool a lot of people, so I don't feel so bad about believing it anyway. So, I think we need to maybe go back and address how we... What, what do we consider to be acceptable standards for dealing with new information? You know, I, 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 that's what I think. And, and you can't really enforce that, I don't think, on a societal level either. It's going to have to be something that we... It's just going to have to be something that spreads through use. Um, I feel the best ideas in society the best ideas of individuals become societal and cultural norms by diffusion. Um, good example being words. If you come up with a good word that describes the thing that is relatable, it will spread and people will use it. And then it will become a part of the zeitgeist. And that's it. You didn't have to really try. It just will. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I um I agree. I'm just wondering uh wondering how all that could ever uh how it could work, you know. If um because because like anything involving a large number of people, a big cultural shift like that takes a while to happen. Does it? Mm. Or does that I think, well, okay, there's something that is so dependent on our psychology because, because it's not, I, I, I question whether it is purely a, uh, a cultural thing, how quick we are to believe things when we see them. And I think it's, it's much more deeply rooted in our psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's a lot harder to overcome. It will take real cultural pressure to suppress that psychological phenomenon do you think that um culture can fully suppress psychological phenomena yes okay do you have any examples of maybe something a psychological phenomena that used to occur that we've suppressed through societal norms because i can think of one okay go ahead um there's this psychological um propensity for human beings to want to mate for example um and How do I put this delicately? You do not want to mate with a parent or a sibling, right? Right. Why? I don't know. But I think it's safe to say that that's probably a psycho... That's not just psychological. I think that's a social thing that makes you not want to do that. Well, actually, okay, that's not where I thought you were going with that. So I have somewhere else that I can go with this. Okay. Uh, but... But actually, I think there actually has been psychological research on that, and there actually is something psychological about that. It has to do with, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to do with um, the genetic similarity, but rather familiarity. Uh, people are not attracted to people who they are very familiar with, especially from childhood. Hmm. Um, they will they will pick up on on things they can detect about those people, and then it makes them unattractive for whatever reason. It's very interesting. Um, but okay, so now um, let's uh, let's see. I was going somewhere with this. Ah, okay. So so suppose um, suppose you suppose you are a prehistoric human being. Okay. And uh, you you find yourself as uh, as part of some tribe, and you're kind of you know you're you're, uh, you, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how you became part of this tribe, but, uh, you know, you, you don't have a clear grasp yet on their, uh, on their cultural norms. Maybe, maybe you're still growing up and you just don't know yet. Um, now humans, when hungry, have a propensity to want to eat, especially overeat if they can. So, you know, you might, uh, you might eat more than is socially acceptable and almost immediately you feel the social repercussions of this. Mm -hmm. um and so in the future 
unless you have you know some sort of uh, a mental problem and you don't register this, um, you will refrain from such behavior even though you want to. And so now a, a psychological tendency to overeat when it is possible has been suppressed by cultural pressure. Okay, I think that's a decent enough example. Um, but that was implemented in the individual very quickly. I think what we're also talking about is how quickly that becomes the norm of your tribe. And I think that we're gonna, at some point we're going to need to have a discussion about memes, a serious discussion about memes, because I've heard it possible that you can force a meme. Yes, you can. So what we're talking about, this behavior, it's a meme that, that we want to that we would that we would want to put out there, right? So the the, the meme of question everything you see. Well, the meme of Yes, and well, the meme of skepticism almost, but healthy skepticism, I would say. Because it's not just, hmm, I saw a video, I don't know if that's real or not, you know, and, I don't, and I'm going to assume it's fake until I know it's real. Yeah, so I, I guess some, something, something about skepticism, I'll go on a tangent a little bit, is that skepticism normally is best applied proportionally to what it is that you've seen. You know, if you see you know, a, a video of, uh, of a girl throwing a ball and a puppy goes and chases it. You know, this is pretty typical. You need not really question this. There's nothing serious implied by it. Um, but, you know, if you, you know, if you, if you find uh, uh, a video of, uh, I don't know, some, some very reputable figure, let's say like Bill Gates, right, uh, snorting a line of coke, you know, off of, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, the, the an, an outlandish scenario in which you'd never expect someone professional like him to, to be. What are, you, um, what are you saying? I mean, <laughs> you've not seen that video? You've not <laughs> seen that video. Uh, but but you, you see what I'm getting, you know, this is something that is completely unusual. And so now, now you have to think, okay, this is totally unexpected and has serious implications if true. So I should question it. Right. And not only that, but there's also this there's also this sense of motivations, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to go there. That's a little harder to, to talk about. Uh, but this is something I think might be more personal. If you and I were having a debate about something and you provided a video that proves your point 100% correctly like 100 percent. it's like the most convenient piece of evidence i would be skeptical of that you know it's like this is too perfect which means either i'm really out of my wheelhouse and i'm really wrong or there's something up or it's a setup yeah it's a setup exactly it's a hoax some might say um There's, a, I think there's a lot that goes on there, but I also think that I think another thing that might exacerbate, I think deep say deep fakes just exacerbate another problem that is people's biases or biases. It's so much easier for me to want to believe something that confirms something I already think. You know, that's exactly right. Um, we we actually talked about this in our, uh, I think it was our second episode about the internet's impact on society. Right. Um, in which we talked about how the internet does not discriminate in this. It seems to. Uh, it seems to just amplify every part of human psychology, right. um, the good and the bad. And this is just another example. Right. And that's and one thing I will say about deepfakes, though, as well. If anything, deepfakes have, I think what makes it so interesting is I think this might be a tipping point for our, for human beings. It's, we've, technology is finally caught up. Or technology is, is, is now passing us at a rate that 
we are losing our ability to understand where it is. Right. I mean, in a, in a very real sense, you know, not not totally, but but uh, at least partially, this is an example of computers passing the Turing test. Right. You know, the 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 shortcomings that it has, where where it doesn't really pass, is that it's not general purpose, and it can't be done fast enough that you know that we could we could interrogate it in real time. But the fact is that a computer is generating some media that is, for all intents and purposes, universally convincing. We can't tell the difference between it and the real thing with just our eyes. Right. Um. And it's not going to get better. <laughs> In fact, it's going to get worse faster. And that's the thing that, for those of you who, uh, and we're going to link this below as well, and I might include an overlay a video for this as well, I don't know. Um, technology, our technological capability roughly has been growing exponentially. And there are plenty of studies that say, well, it's not quite exponentially, but I don't think anyone says it's linear. So, and to, for, what that means is, you know, our technological capability over a period of time frame is going to be twice as advanced as it was in the previous time frame. And then twice again in the next time frame. Human beings have been observed to mature, to evolve or our capability for dealing with situations seems to be growing linearly, you know. And we're at this point where, well, and I think it's something, not to be too anecdotal, but the amount of uh, technology that was port the portability of technology, for example, between 1900 and 1980 wasn't all that different. Portability of so, like, human-carryable technology, let's put it that way. And then from 1980 to 1990, there were some pretty significant jumps. And then 90 to 2000, there's another bigger jump. And then here we are nearly in the year 2020. And the phone you carry in your pocket is more powerful than the largest computers, you know, two decades ago. You know, and it's and it's it's that that's making this software that runs on it possible. You know, it's this, and not only that, but we're getting better and at writing programs. And not only that, but we're getting better at writing programs that write other programs. You know, I'm gonna link to a um, CPG Gray video about. Uh, this I, did I did I get the name right? Yes, you, okay. no, no, you did not get the name right. It's CGP Gray. CGP Gray. CGP Gray. Okay, I always mix it up. Uh, he has a video talking about you know human technology and how it affects human productivity and you know working, but it, a lot of the same concepts apply here as well. Um, and I think that we need to stop trying to cap our to, to deal with these technologies with technology i don't think that that's the best solution you know there are certain things that you have to you know encryption sure uh but for example you could just get used to carrying stuff around physically you know why put your information on the cloud when you can put it in a secure jump drive and carry it with you or thumb drive or whatever you call it you know there are things we can do to encourage human behaviors that allow us to be a lot more successful in a technological age, but I think this is the first time that it's, like you said, it's dangerous enough on a wide enough scale. You know, I don't know what else you can really say about it. Um, yes, it is a lie. Yes, it is wrong to do that, but you know, you can't stop it. That's the that's the other thing. And I don't and I think any attempt made to make people stop doing it is not going to work. What do you think? I don't know about that. I don't know if any attempt wouldn't work. Um you know, cuz there there's a lot of uh 
Well, I, I guess it depends on the, the, the means by which you're willing to do it. Um, you know, if you, if, if legislation is on the table, I think that it could have a meaningful effect. Um, cause there's a lot of legislation related to, uh, the use of digital technology, um, that does seem to have an effect. Uh, people, uh, you know, are at the very least concerned about uh, distributing certain types of information or making unauthorized copies of certain things, you know. Um, and it's, you know, for some of them, they do this based on their own principles, but uh, for, for some, they don't. You know, they've seen examples made out of enough, enough people. Um, right, but that, I, I don't think that's the same thing. Um, for example, what's the harm in a deep fake? Like, like, what's the difference in harm between a deep fake and me illegally copying a Disney DVD? What's the difference? One hundred percent, as far as the actual harm that could possibly be caused. By exactly. It. Yep. I, and that's the problem. It's, well, I guess, I guess the thing, something worth mentioning is that, you know, the thing, the thing about a deep fake, is that, for it to have its effect you in some ways kind of had to put yourself at risk of being caught being the origin of it. Um, Do you? Technically no, but by distributing it, you put yourself at risk and, and because it has an effect. Now you become a target. Basically people want to find you specifically, uh, Whereas with, you know, illegally copying a Disney movie, well, there's a whole bunch of people who do that. You're, you're not being looked for specifically. That might be true, but... Okay, let me give you an example of how I think that they're way different. If I... As far as the uh, legal means of discouraging people from doing it, there is little emotional drive behind me copying a DVD illegally. And not only that, but those who do it without like a principled stance against copyright or something like that, they see it as so innocuous that no one's going to come after them. That's what I think what you were addressing is, yeah, I copied a DVD. No one got hurt. It's a victimless crime. You know, screw Disney, I don't care, <laughs> you know. Um, people making deep fakes, that, the, the kinds of deep fakes that we're trying to legislate against, the harmful ones. The person that's going to make the most damaging deep fake, I don't think is going to be dissuaded. Because they have the most motivation to do it. Now, one thing I would posit is that in an environment in where deepfakes are rare or very unheard of because, you know, we've made them illegal or, you know, and we will get you if you don't. That's a society that's not prepared for a deepfake because they're not common. You know, I, I almost think it would be better to just allow them to be as common and common as possible because after a while, everyone just kind of becomes numb to it. It's innocuous. And, you know, I could come at you with like, oh, David, I saw a deep fake of you. And you'd be like, oh, well, I saw one of you last week. You know, who cares? You know, they're just, they're annoying, but who cares? They're everywhere. You can't trust what you see online anymore. Or you need to be extra careful. I, I think we might be setting the stage for a deep fake to do real damage by actually trying to put people in a bubble away from them, you know? Um, it's kind of, if you compare it to a physical disease, you know, we could do the vaccination option, which is we let them, we just let them all go, and there are a bunch of little ones out there that people can understand and that aren't really that harmful. But then when the big harmful ones come along, the societal body is aware that these types of things exist, you know? I don't know if you see any problem with that. I just, that's my personal 
that, that's what I think we personally should do. Um, I can't say that, you know, for everybody, but that's what I think would be a good idea. So I'd like to uh, like to go down a little bit of a, uh, a side topic here. Oh, sure. This will surely have an impact eventually on the justice system. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm wondering... I'm wondering if there are any uh, meaningful implications of that, um, you know, because basically this now calls into question not only photographic but videographic evidence mm-hmm. that uh, it it can no longer be as as damning as it otherwise would be. Right. Good. <laughs> no, um, that's that might be so, but. If anything else, I think it will definitely be damning because now a really convincing video, a, a real video even, could all I all a defense attorney would have to say to a jury is, you know, watch this other video. That's real too, isn't it? Nope, it's fake. So how can you not have reasonable doubt about the other video? And that's all it takes is one person with some reasonable doubt to keep a person basically now there has to be other evidence alongside it right to make it more legitimate which i don't mind i think that might be a good thing i think it might be a good thing um for example a really awkward thing is you know people think dna uh is really good for determining uh who did what but it has its problems too um And then we go back to the original worst possible piece of evidence. Human witnesses are the worst, you know. Um, And it wasn't, well, that's that's got its own other issues about, well, how do you know how many false convictions you've had? You know, until you go in back and disprove them. It's it's really hard to keep track of. Um, So I, I definitely think that this having the implications that it's going to have on a justice system if anything it's just going to raise the bar for prosecutors which i think is a good thing Uh, especially when you talk about forcing someone else into uh, a life they don't want you know you better be pretty damn sure that that person did the thing you say they did to deserve it you know but no that is definitely interesting um (laughs) What do you do when video evidence isn't good enough? What's the point in having video cameras anymore anywhere? Which, I mean, I, I will think that there will be those that will try to develop ways to tell the difference between deep fakes and, you know, regular uh, video. But I don't know that it's going to be enough, to be honest. I don't know. There's a lot of potential problems with deepfakes, you know, um, and not just deepfake videos, but I mean, I, I, another boundary being crossed is a computer can now do something. Can, it's not that it, it's creating something that's not real that a human would reasonably think is real. Like that's just the root deep concept, right? That's a scary concept when we talk about video and images, but, and this might be getting off on a little bit of a tangent itself, but what happens when we can 3D print things that aren't real, but they look really real? Or not only that, but we can bioengineer something that doesn't exist, but now it does. Is that a little far, you think? I guess I'm not really sure what you mean if we bioengineer something that doesn't exist but it does didn't we just make it exist well that's the i guess that's the point i'm getting at is we can make right now we have the ability to make something that didn't happen appear as though it happened or something that isn't happening appear as though it isn't is happening right Mm -hmm. with that that we would all consider to be reasonable right something like, there are limits to a deep fake. Like, I can't create a deep fake where I throw you into space with my bare hands. Like, 
there are still limits to human uh, capability, capability, uh, sure, uh, whatever. Um, so I, I guess the next step beyond that would be, you know, I'm just thinking on the highest level of like con conceptually, what, what happens when, like, what is something you don't think could reasonably exist? A time machine. Okay, something else that's a little more innocuous, like a unicorn, right? Okay. You know, you can make one now. It's like, well, well that does that shouldn't exist. It's like, well, it does, you know. I guess I'm going a little farther than that. Maybe I'm off on a bad tangent. I don't know. I'm just trying to think on the conceptual level what, what a deepfake really is, and it's indistinguishable. It's, it's an indistinguishable irreality or... You know. Sure. It's a perfect lie. It's a perfect lie. Exactly. Do you think there's any way a deep fake can be used that would be positive? I think there has to be. Why? I mean, the same reason that, uh, you know, manual image and video editing can be used positively. Or that um, a person being paid to lie can be used positively in the form of an actor or an actress. Sure. So, maybe we'll get some really good movies out of it. <laughs> yes, the, uh, the dead actors and actresses can come back. Oof. Make the acting... Now, uh... now, here, now here's a question. Is that better or worse that we have that we could have uh, long dead actors and actresses back on the screen and now we have no incentive to hire new actors well, I think you're touching on another thing who gets paid yep for that if I made a deep fake of you that won a Grammy should you get credit for that performance I don't think so. Should you get paid? I don't think so. Why not? Your face. Well, I have my own opinions about whether one can own their own likeness. I think that's another issue, though, about this that we need to kind of talk about a little bit. Okay. Because that's that's one thing that um, that has happened. There have been those who have had deep fakes made of them. To give the scenario, there was a celebrity and a pornographic actress who were each involved with the deep fake. One was used as the substrate that the, the actual activity in the deep fake and the other was the overlay. So both of them have something to do with this deep fake. Like neither of them wanted to be a part of it, but the deep fake took the adult pornographic actress's actions and then took the celebrity's face and mapped it over her actions and created a third video that neither of them consented to and they both have filed lawsuits against the person who created the deep fake and they want to get paid for it now that's interesting i think do either of them do you think have a legitimate claim to any amount of the money from that video probably not on the grounds they're seeking it for um you know, I, I think the only claim that the celebrity has to make would be, you know, some some sort of defamation if uh, if they wanted to make the claim that it hurt their reputation or uh, or career potential as a if they were uh, an actress or something like that. Um, but otherwise, no, I don't think they have a claim to it. Hmm. Well, they both seem to think that they do. I know, and probably so does the court, but. Well, that's an interesting concept. Why do you, just to be clear, I don't think that you own your likeness either. Personally, I don't think you own your likeness. That's ridiculous. But why do you think you don't own your likeness? Basically, to me, it comes down to your likeness is a public thing. You know, you, you cannot behave socially without publicizing your likeness um 
And so how can you lay claim on what anyone else does with information you've made public? Fair enough. Another thing I would like to bring up, is your likeness a physical thing? No. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, obviously, the the concept of your likeness arises from physical reality. You know, you, you have a body which has some sort of uh, properties which others can observe, and this forms the concept of your likeness um it's sort of like you know um is a dead person still a person um because we have this concept of what it means to be a person and we we like to sort of play mental games and detach this from the from the the you know the physical body we like we we even have we even have terms that we use every day like my body no you are your body Mm -hmm. that's all there is of you um, and, and so, so to say my body, well, that doesn't make any more sense than, than just saying, you know, yourself. Well, I mean, technically it's your brain talking about its body and you are your brain, the thinky, thinky parts. Maybe I can test this mean. a little bit, but anyway, sure. But, 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 on, e- yeah. but even still my brain, you know, if we, even if we, even if I accept that at face value, you know, the concept of my brain, same, same thing. Well, it's like saying myself. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You you see what I'm you see what I'm getting at here. I so, see what you're getting at. So you know, we we have concepts about people that are all you know based on some physical phenomena, but yet the like the concept of a likeness or a person is not physical, even though they represent physical things. Mm-hmm. I think it's very similar to what you're, I think what makes for me, what makes it for me clear that your likeness isn't a thing is that your likeness is just data. It is purely data. Um, You can codify your likeness in many, many ways. I could take a photograph of it. I could mold your likeness. I can duplicate your likeness with ease, you know, um, not only that, but naturally occurring duplicates exist in the form of twins. You know, how do they not come out of the womb with a copyright claim on each other? You know? um, when you really think about it, you know you don't own your likeness at all. And you, you own who you are and you own the body that can generate that likeness. But you can also change yourself to generate a different likeness in the form of plastic surgery as well. For example, Or something... You know, much less invasive and, and altering tattoos or anything like right. that. Right. It's very similar to you own, it'd be like very similar to you owning a flashlight, but you don't own the photons that come out the end of that flashlight. Or do you? You know, <laughs> like, for example, um, they, one allows, your, your likeness is just a characteristic of your physical self no more than you don't own your name. Your name is just a ethereal label we place on what we look at and accumulately call you as a person, you know, or what we give a thing. You know, this laptop is a laptop because I call it a laptop and we all just kind of agree that that's what it's called, you know, for example. Um, Your likeness is the same way. But I think it's interesting because a lot of people I've talked to about the subject will jump to say that you do own your likeness at first until you really think about it. You know, I think that's interesting. You know, why, why is our, why are we so eager to say we own our likeness? You know, I think that's interesting. I think it's, uh, I think it's tied to, uh, whatever psychological forces behind, uh, why people, get uh, very nervous and will uh will and even angry at uh unwillingly being put in front of a camera lens mm-hmm. um you know unless you're expecting it you know unless you're going to your own photo shoot um people people don't like having cameras pointed at them no especially you know and it 
like people people already get nervous enough when you walk into a public space and there's security cameras. But I mean, if someone just overtly puts a camera in your face, you may right. become uncomfortable for some reason. Well, we've we've gone into that discussion a little bit when we talked about privacy. You know, we kind of it was actually a very similar discussion to this when we were talking about how why is that, and we kind of discussed that the there's a good possibility that that is someone encroaching on your monopoly of knowing yourself, you know, um, even if it's just a little bit, um, you know, I always know what I'm doing, but when someone else can record what I'm doing, I don't like it. You know, um, I'm not the only one who knows and I can't control that. So I think it's very similar to that as well. Um, back to the example though, uh, there were two people that filed claims, the person whose face was used and the person's whose work, whose work was used. Because she, this person was a adult film actress. She got paid to make the video that was then used as the substrate, you know. And that was her doing that. And that's her livelihood, doing something to be caught on film to then be distributed. And then she is entitled to royalties on that, you know. And you would say that she need she also doesn't have any kind of claim to this. Yes. Now why is that? This is different. She got paid to do work, didn't she? Well, she she does get paid. She collects royalties. She gets a percentage off of every copy of the original that was sold that has then been dubbed see, over. See, now we're reaching into so many other so many other areas now. Inform inform this answer. Um, are you safe with us just saying we need to do a video on copyright one day? We probably should just do a video on copyright. You know, we've been meaning to do one of these for a long time. Since we started thinking about doing the show, I that's one of the, that's one of the early things we argued about too. Yeah, it is. But I do think we need. We also have never done a uh, a video a under the format of devil's advocacy. Mm. We've had devil's advocates. That was the sec supposed to be the second video or second podcast we ever recorded was supposed to be a devil's advocate, and we have we're almost to twenty, and we have. I think not this done is one. twenty. Yeah, this is twenty, and we still haven't done one. So I think this might be one that we do that way. One of us takes the position of, you know, copyright is a good thing, or copyright is should exist, or it is real, and the other person has to. We have to defend that claim. Nose goes. I mean, I'm prepared for you to defend copyright since you lost nose goes. What? Yeah. Insert deep fake. I was about to say, it's a deep fake right now. <laughs> well, it's not like anyone listening can see us, so. <laughs> for all intents and purposes. I'll see you in court. <laughs> will you, though, or will you see my deep fake in court? Deep fake people, my dude. <laughs> anyway, um, um, yeah. I, I just to comment on this. I don't feel like deep fakes was as interesting as a topic as I thought it was going to be. No, but we did bring up some other topics that I think are interesting. We did. We did. Um, it it is interesting to keep your eye on, though. This is something that isn't. It's new. Uh, the, the term deep fake is from two thousand and seven. No, I'm sorry, 2017 is where the term comes from. And this technology is very new, uh, less than a year old. No, sorry, less than two years old, sorry. Um, and I think that you'll be hearing a lot about this in the news, along with other, you know, fake is already used a lot these days. Deep fake news. Deep fake news. <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, it's just interesting. Um, and for those who are more technically minded, the technology behind how a deepfake is created is actually fascinating as well. Um, so it's the power of math. Yes, the power of maths. It's very interesting. Um, so yeah, I guess you know, I, I, I'd be curious to talk with more people about it. You know, I, I think it's also a little different than you and I have a pretty firm understanding about how a deepfake is made and we've known about this for a while. Um, we just, it wasn't until recently we, we heard about it again or I heard about it again. I'm sure you've heard about it in the news a little bit too, uh, why it's 
you know, how it's becoming more of a publicly discussed topic. So, um, yeah, it's weird. It took it, it took it long enough. You know, technology's been out for almost two years, and finally people are starting to abuse it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, ultimately got some good topics for next time. Um, had some interesting things to think about, but really not as deep of a topic as uh, one, one would think. There's the door. Yep. <laughs> and with that, I guess we can uh, end off today, unless you've got anything else to say. Nope. Philosophers. Philosophers.